Welcome to the Bastion Podcast. This is where we're going to be reviewing the articles um, that we upload onto our blog, blog.bastionfit.com. We're going to be sharing funny anecdotes or, you know, personal stories from how this relates to our lives and how you could potentially implement this information into your own life. Sebastian here is a certified personal trainer. Why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, my name is Sebastian. I'm a certified personal trainer. Um, I've been researching exercise science, nutrition science, basically for the past decade almost at this point, although I haven't been providing any like professional advice for until recently, the past couple few years. Yeah, I want to preface that I'm not by any means a like scientist or expert or dietitian, but uh, I definitely do know a lot about nutrition exercise in general, so definitely be talking about some basic nutrition stuff that you might need to know, especially for someone that's a little bit more busy than usual. Break it down to a simple overview. We are the Bastion team. My name is Eddie. This is Sebastian. Today we're going to be going over the only nutrition guide you'll ever need. Um, this is on blog.bastionfit.com. Mm-hmm. So you want to kick us off? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so yeah, definitely uh, there's going to be four different parts really that we're going to talk, talking about here that's covered in the article as well. Uh, first part are basically the nutrition basics. So what are macronutrients? What are calories? How do we use energy? I can't. How do calories, you know, affect the body? Energy deficit, energy deficits, energy surpluses. Then we'll move into tracking and monitoring your nutrition. Sort of going over a few different ways that you can actually do that um, and fit it into your overall schedule because there are a few different ways. Some are more difficult than others. Um, and then three, we'll go over sort of quote unquote approved food sources that generally you should be eating most of the time. And then four, uh, we'll be looking at some healthier alternatives. Uh, Especially in the food industry now, there are lots of high-protein versions and lower-fat versions and lower-calorie versions of a lot of favorite foods that can be definitely used um, to curb your appetite and stay away from unhealthy cravings at times. So yeah, Some, <clears throat> Something to note before we get right into this is that there are plenty of nutrition guides out there. Um, the reason why you're going to want to pay attention to, th- to this one is because we're going to share specifically how with your busy, productive, goal-set lifestyle, how to implement this information. So it's not just uh, all the scientific information, but it's also how do you actually apply this to your personal life. Definitely. And I also will say that the nutrition guide really focuses on simplicity and focuses on everything we do know from an evidence standpoint, from a scientific literature standpoint about nutrition overall. So we're not going to be diving into fad diets and all of that, but we are just going to go over the basics of what you really do need to know to get started uh, paying attention to nutrition. Okay, Sebastian, I have a question. Mm -hmm. So last year I was on a bulk and my my bulk was really, you know, I had information about um, calorie surplus, calorie deficit, macronutrients, all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I was doing is I literally made one day's worth of food um, in terms of meal plans of exactly what I was going to eat. So for breakfast, I ate like a can of tuna, six eggs every single day. Um, and for lunch, I ate like probably a rice bowl with like chicken. And then for, for dinner, I forget what I eat, but it was probably something like steak. And I did this like every single day for like months. Can you tell me why, even though this hits all those things, um, you know, calorie wise, macronutrient wise, um, you know, caloric surplus wise, why this might not be the best, uh, healthiest option? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, there's two ways you can sort of approach this. One is like 
you can have a very strict diet like that if you're looking to get really crazy results and you're looking to compete. But for most people, that's not the case. And so in your case, um, you know, probably looking to get you know some lean muscle mass and generally just look better overall, right? Yeah. And so uh, for most people, like using flexible dieting approaches is totally okay. So for you, you know, you really don't need to be following this exact meal plan. Um, you know, in the guide, if you want, if you guys want to take a look at that at some point, especially after this, um, it goes over a bunch of different foods you can be incorporating. It's not necessarily recipes, but really, uh, so long as you're hitting the basic needs of your calories and really your protein, those are the only two you really need to be focusing on. If your overall goal is to just be healthier, get in shape, <coughs> and all of that, and so really focusing on your calories, not necessarily focusing on which food you need to be eating. Generally, it should be all whole foods. But so long as your if your calorie maintenance is say twenty five hundred calories, um, and you're wanting to put some muscle mass, a little bit more than that would be perfectly okay. Um, definitely focus on your protein. Definitely focus on getting a majority of it being whole foods. But uh, you know the classic chicken and rice and you know eggs and canned tuna or all these dry high protein extremely gross foods like those really should only be reserved for you know people really looking to step on a stage and they're really close and need to minimize all of the possible you know sodium intake all of the possible different um processed foods and all of that stuff but in general it really uh it does not need to be that strict okay so then um i'm sure you've heard of these diets where you know people go out and they say all right i need to eat 200 grams of protein but other than that I can eat anything else. Mm -hmm. So they eat like a bunch of chicken, a bunch of steak. And then after dinner, they're just like shoving like cheesecake and ice cream down their, their <laughs> down their mouths. What do you think of those diets though? Because on one hand, you, you could argue that like, okay, yes, eating is enjoyable. You know, you're enjoying these desserts that you like and you're still eating healthily. You're getting your protein intake. Um, do you think though that there could be some bad habits that could be formed? Do you think this is sustainable? Do you think this is better than most diets? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, obviously, it really comes down to personal preference. Um, what are you prioritizing? If you're really prioritizing your health, then obviously shoving a bunch of food in your face, especially a lot of processed foods and desserts, you know, at the end of the day before bed, isn't good for a multitude of reasons. One, um, you're giving your body a lot of food to digest, which really spikes your insulin right before bed, which really affects your blood sugar, and that's been shown to reduce your quality of sleep significantly. So that's one one reason why you shouldn't do that. Another reason is overall, a good rule of thumb to follow, uh, if your goal is really just overall health and stuff when it comes to nutrition, is to eat 80% of calories within your diet, within you know the, a sort of quote unquote approved food sources, mostly whole foods. And then 20% can sort of come from what your cravings are. And generally, if you follow that, you're going to be in pretty good shape. But say like again, your example of where you're eating a bunch of calories and desserts after dinner, if if more than 20% of your calories are coming from that every single day, then there could be definitely be an issue in terms of a whole multiple different things. You know, your blood sugar, your uh, blood pressure could be affected even eventually because you're, you know, you are giving your body a ton of food digest all at once every single day. And a lot of it is processed and mm -hmm. not uh, very good for you. Yeah. Something I think is interesting is like, you know, if you go out one Friday night and like take a bunch of shots, the next day you're definitely gonna feel it and you're gonna like feel that feedback of like, okay, my body doesn't like this, I shouldn't do this. And you might not even be able to go to the gym that day because you're just so nauseous and dehydrated. But, <clears throat> you know, if you have like a day, a week, or even a month of a poor diet where you're eating a bunch of processed junk food, you don't really feel it immediately, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't, you don't get that instantaneous feedback of like, okay, I need to fix this. 
right? What what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some people that will feel feel it immediately. There's some people that really won't. Um, I will say the more often, the longer period of time you have been consuming processed food and, and food that isn't necessarily quote unquote good for you, um, you're you're gonna get so used to it to the point where you know you don't feel a difference yeah. the first time you eat some food. It's it's much more of a, cum- a cumulative effect where you know after a week to a month and you're eating really good, you're giving yourself enough vegetables, enough whole foods in general. You are actually going to see a difference in your energy levels and your mood state and how you're performing on a day-to-day basis in and outside of the gym. Um, it really comes with a multitude of benefits when you look at it from that from that standpoint. And uh, just because you know you don't necessarily feel a difference and you feel like you're relatively lean eating these foods doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay that way the entire time. Yeah, definitely. For uh, for Asians specifically, I think I heard somewhere that um, Asians have a lot of visceral fat. So even though you know we tend to be a little more on the skinnier side, it doesn't mean that we're not being affected by these, um, you know, all this processed food, all this fat, all this gunk that's getting into our bloodstream. So it is something worth noting that like even if you feel good, it might just be because you know you've been eating like crap your entire life and you've never actually had like a week or even a day of like really really healthy food. And so you might not know, you know, maybe try like a week of really eating intentionally, eating your vegetables, eating like your healthy protein, making uh, making sure that you're eating whole foods um, in general. And, you know, maybe you might feel a little better. And if so, why not continue doing that? Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the point about visceral fat because um, this has been studied and it has been uh, looked at where it's a really big misconception where a lot of people who are very lean and typically very young too, maybe 20s in their 20s or 30s, They'll be eating whatever they want, but they look pretty good on the outside. But then when you go into a doctor and they do a scan on you, you find out that although you don't have as much fat, subcutaneous fat, which is fat directly on the skin, which is the most visible, you have a lot of visceral fat, which is actually worse for you health outcome-wise and often goes unnoticed because it's sitting under the muscle belly itself, usually in your stomach, and that comes from, you know, drinking alcohol, a lot of processed foods. And it accumulates over time. So when people think they look healthy and associate health with a certain aesthetic, it's actually uh, a big misconception. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going, I mean, we just know like health does not really correlate with aesthetic, right? Like mm-hmm. even just bodybuilders cutting down to like three, four, five percent body fat. Like, the, not only are probably a lot of the pro competitors like on steroids, on a lot of um, unhealthy compounds, even though you. You know, there is debate that you can take these healthily um, with proper guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still eating in a, in a very extreme fashion, which cuts out a lot of fat. And the thing is, fat is not necessarily bad for you, right? It's good for maintaining your health. It's good for fighting off disease. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we can go into sort of like general recommendations um, based off of this article as well of what you really should be paying attention to when you are looking at your diet. And so I will say the first thing, before we dive into anything, probably the most important thing to know is simply how many calories you're eating. Um, this is probably one of the most controversial subjects for no good reason. Uh, there's plenty of research out there that shows that calories are easily the most important thing when it comes to weight gain or weight loss. Um, no you know, sort of fad diet, no superfood can really change your physiology and how you burn calories uh, that significantly. So generally what you really should be paying attention to whether your goal is weight loss or wanting to gain some muscle mass how many calories are you eating there's plenty of calorie calculators online that you can use that input your age your height your biometrics and it'll spit out a generally really good number of the amount of calories you should be eating and whatever your goal is if it's lose weight 
about 300 to 500 calories under that is where you'll want to be every day and the same exact thing 300 to 500 calories above that if you want to gain some weight so no fat burner superfood or anything is going to matter more simply than knowing your calories and knowing how much you're eating and knowing how much you're expending and <clears throat> that being said right like it's not like it's not like you have to consume um you know 300 more calories every single day if you want to uh bulk like it changes right if you exercise more for example you're gonna have to eat more so you need to take into account not just you know the static number of your calories but you need to take into account your lifestyle you know how much are you burning without exercising how much are you burning while exercising yeah definitely um all right so then we'll go into sort of macronutrients so i mean there's four macronutrients in total carbohydrates fats protein and alcohol for this we'll mainly cover carbohydrates fats protein but briefly I'll cover alcohol real quick um it's seven calories per gram um and generally when you're consuming alcohol obviously everyone knows it's not that great for you um, but it has been shown when you when you drink alcohol, it actually shuts down your body's ability to oxidize fat. So during while every, that period when you're drunk, you actually get more hungry, and your body doesn't have the ability to burn fat until after you've recovered from that. So it's kind of a double whammy in terms of that. So definitely try to stay away that from as possible. There's not much nutritional um, benefit from having a lot of alcohol in your diet, but obviously everything's okay in moderation. Um, just you know, try to avoid that. But it's about balance. Yeah. <laughs> but so diving first one, carbohydrates. This is probably one of the most recently demonized macronutrients out of everything in terms. Very of recently. Fun. Yeah, in terms of dieting in general, um, you know, sugars and all of that. Um, sure, sugars, carbohydrates. If you have a lot all the time, it can be bad for you. But for the vast majority of the population, your body and muscles prefer carbohydrates as a fuel source. So. Generally, if you're a normal person going throughout your day, 40 to 65% of your calories should come from carbohydrates. Um, this could range from 3 grams per kilogram to 10 grams per kilogram of your body weight per day, and this really depends on your activity level. An athlete who's outside all day working out probably need a lot more carbohydrates, you know, even like 500 to 800 grams a day point, which is a lot. But for most people, 100 to 300 grams per day is really sufficient, and if you're going below that, you're getting into a point where you're probably going to feel... Uh, different stages of less energy until your body adapts to not having enough carbohydrates. Um, that's where the whole ketosis diet comes into play. Uh, uh, the keto diet comes into play with ketosis and all of that. And um, there are some benefits proven with that, but also there's a lot of people that don't benefit from it. So um, I would say be safe. If you're going to experiment with it, make sure you actually try a proper diet where you're measuring everything out with carbohydrates first before you jump into a keto diet so that way you can compare which one's actually better for you rather than just saying oh, i'm going to go on a keto diet now everything is toned in and i I'm, and most that's why it's gotten so popular recently is mm -hmm. because when people jump into a keto diet their diet beforehand was already bad yeah. So they can't even say from another standpoint, are carbohydrates good for me or not? Yeah, that's the thing about all these fad diets, right? Like what are, were they? Greek diets, carnivore diet, like all these, all these like diets, any diet with a name, honestly, like sure. Compared to any, compared to eating like what potato chips three times a day, they're better than that, right? But if you really look at a balanced, healthy diet that, um, a lot of people don't have. I'd say, honestly, the majority of people don't have because it's really hard to be conscious about it. Um, if you just look at that, just diet where you balance your carbs, fats, proteins, um, and from you know good sources, um, it's way better than any of these diets with any names. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the second one now, I will talk about fats, and this one has also made me nice. <laughs> Pretty much anything that you could possibly like nutrition-wise has <laughs> an article about it that <laughs> makes it seem terrible. Um, but no, fats generally are good. Um, you need fats for hormone, your hormones and general production. Your brain needs it, so it's extremely important that you would get at least 20 to even 40% of your, of your total calories is coming from fats. And um, especially pay attention to uh, what, where you're getting your fats, because obviously fats from potato chips are much different from fats from nuts or avocados. A lot of the fats from, you know, say avocados will have omega-3s in it, which is a much more better source of fat that your body can utilize um, to regulate your hormones, for your brain, for your even your eye, your vision. All that stuff is very necessary. So definitely try to aim for fats that come from more natural foods. But, you know, your body still utilizes uh, those un more unhealthier fats that come from processed foods. But uh, definitely follow that sort of, sort of same 80-20% rule, rule of thumb. Um, and Break. Yeah. I just want to check that it's still running. All right, cool. It's still running. Cool. And this is actually a very special point uh, that a lot of people can get wrong. And if there's one thing I could say when you're following a diet, this is where so many people get wrong, is just pay attention to the dressings and the cooking oils and the creamers that you're putting in your food. This is something that almost all of my clients always forget. And I always have to constantly remind them that, yes, you do have to track the dressings. Yes, you do have to track the olive oil you're putting in the pan before you cook something. Yes, you do have to track the creamers because those tiny little tablespoon sizes are 100 calories each, which is easy to neglect, but those add up very quickly, especially when your goal is for weight loss. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, it might seem as easy as just, like, opening my fitness pal and just, like, you know, putting in oh, I had a dish with like rice and chicken and like a bunch of these veggies and like this yogurt, so I'll just put in the rice and chicken, right? Um, you might think that you're doing yourself justice by like logging these things, and of course it's better than nothing getting into the habit of logging these things, but really you do need to be cognitive of all these tiny little things. And um, for me, like I did that for a few months and I got very familiar with it. Um, I, I personally don't really track my calories anymore. Um, it's just not really oriented towards my specific goals mm -hmm. but I'm really glad that I did that for those few months because I got to really get an idea of what I'm supposed to be conscious of for example I learned like you know fruit extremely low calories because they're very you know water dense um, but they taste great so it's like that's like one of the great alternatives to um, to snacks to cookies and things like that mm -hmm. yeah it's also a good point you bring up that you don't track calories anymore because uh, before we go into protein and exactly all that stuff it's really important to cover that you know tracking your calories is not for everybody that in itself I went through that that gave me an eating disorder the first time I ever did it um, <laughs> and when a lot of people start off tracking their calories wanting to lose weight they do develop an eating disorder because they're tracking their calories so religiously and that's just you know not everyone has to do that if you're really prioritizing it and you're doing it in a safe way and someone's guiding you from a, you know saying a coach for example is guiding you in how to do it and making sure you're not gonna develop these disorders in the future that's a great way to start and it's a great way to learn what you're putting in your body but not everyone needs it and we'll go into sort of tracking uh, later on but generally when you're tracking stuff via MindFitnessPound the calories um, it's very precise and really should only be reserved people looking to like really take their fitness mm -hmm. seriously but once you get that down uh, a lot of people think you're going to need to track your entire life really once you get that down you're going to have such good habits and knowledge about what you're eating in the first place that you're not going to need to track anymore because you're already making good decisions automatically yeah um, cool, so we'll jump into a little bit of our protein. Uh, this 
protein is easily considered like the holy grail of macronutrients and for good reason um but also you will find plenty of articles out there also demonizing protein why it's bad for you a great one is uh it damages your livers and kidneys uh, if you eat too much um and i'm not entirely sure where this came from but it was probably i believe it was some sort of study or something where uh was singular study where it found protein um, raised certain levels of a certain enzyme that livers and kidneys produce when they're damaged uh, and it was because they were consuming a lot of protein but if you go and look at the studies it's really uh, only on these individuals that have pre-existing chronic liver and kidney diseases that are very serious and this would never almost never happen to any normal person so generally protein high protein diets have consistently proven to be extremely helpful for weight loss their ability they, they make you feel fuller they improve your mood state consistently and actually it has a, a thermal effect it's the highest thermal effect uh, compared to fats and carbohydrates meaning it takes the most energy to break down protein into a source of energy uh, for your body to use so all of that will actually not only increase the amount of calories that you're burning helping weight loss um, but it will also actually <clears throat> decrease the like your hunger levels so it's a double whammy sort of helping you with weight loss another thing is obviously it helps with muscle growth and it helps with muscle preservation really helps with muscle growth um, if you're uh, prioritizing that and you know sort of in a calorie surplus um, and when you're losing uh, weight you can actually lose muscle mass and protein really helps with preserving it over time so generally you know, for most people on this listening to this on this podcast, you will really only need to consume about 0.8 to maybe uh, 1.6 grams per kilogram, not not uh, pounds per kilogram of body weight per day. However, for most people who want to prioritize weight loss and muscle growth, the most safest range is 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, which is on the higher end. Uh, most people, you know, when you say that, most people probably wouldn't agree with you. Uh, but if you are prioritizing muscle preservation or muscle growth, that is definitely the best range to be in for most people. For health purposes, it can be much lower than that than what most people say. So uh, all this information, of course, what we're telling you right here, um, this is tools that we're providing you, right? We're giving you ideas on how to utilize carbohydrates, how to utilize calories for your specific goal. Now. The thing is, every single person's goal is different, right? My goal is to become healthy, maybe get a little bigger, but really improve my cardio. Mm -hmm. Sebastian's goal, what's your goal? My goal is to step on a bodybuilding stage one day. And actually, you know, I'm really prioritizing muscle growth right now. So for me, I do have to track my calories a lot. I do have to track what my protein is. I have to make sure my protein is up. But again, like Eddie said, what you just think about what your goals are. Yep. What are your priorities? Um, if it's, you know, to make be financially stable and you just want to be generally healthy you don't need to be listening to the majority of articles on there honestly you could just get away with reading this one article that we posted and you will be totally fine for the rest of your life in terms of what you should be eating how you should be tracking and what you generally need to know yep um so yeah uh obviously all of this information it's very uh, you have to tailor it according to your personal goals, your personal uh, priorities, finances, and things like that. And a fitness coach can really help you do that. And so, you know, if you're interested in finding the perfect fitness coach for you, um, check out our website, bashandfit.com, where we'll match you with someone perfect for you and your fitness goals.